From Church on Morgan, a United Methodist congregation whose desire is to be a reminder of the beauty of God and each other. This podcast is a collection of Sunday teachings inspired by the Revised Common Lectionary and recorded weekly in Raleigh, North Carolina. And now, a moment of silence before this episode begins. Clearly, all of you heard I was going to preach this morning, so I'm, <laughs> it's, too, it's too low. It's too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell my siblings. I'm going to tell my siblings it was Stanley only, standing room only. So, uh, I, I have been uh, doing this for 36 years, just retired last July, as I said, when I first came to you, uh, 36 years, and Pam and I have been married for 37 years, so we were newlyweds when we started. And every service I ever did, every, every sermon I ever preached, I always looked for Pam. I had to find Pam. Now, when we were at Riceville Beach, I always knew where Pam was going to sit. But right now, Pam is right there. Hey, Pammy. <laughs> always had to find her. The other thing I did, uh, when we would come up for communion, when we started in little country churches back then, you came up for communion and you would kneel. You would Because every church had a kneeling rail, and so you would kneel, and the, the preacher would come by, and somebody would come by with the bread and the juice. And... I just sort of naturally fell into it. I'd always kiss Pam on top of the head because it was, it was just, she was right there. And so I did it. And I've done it all these years. And uh, we were at a, uh, at, actually at the Village Chapel at Baldhead Island one time. And we had communion. And I didn't even think about it. She came up for communion. I kissed her on the head. She goes back to her seat. And the lady sitting next to her said, my goodness, I just realized that was your husband. She said, I thought that's how Methodists did communion. <laughs> so... In case you're worried about that, she's the only one. Yeah, no, no, no worries. So today, Sunday, today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Now, the baptism of Jesus is told, the story is told in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John makes sort of an obscure reference to it, but John really doesn't tell the story. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell that story. And today we're going to hear uh, Matthew's version from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And... Uh, I am an old preacher, and so I have an old Bible. And so this is from the Revised Standard Version, so you'll you'll forgive me for that. Uh, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts. For you are are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Almost as soon as this story began to be told, the church had questions. The church had problems. Because Jesus comes to be baptized. He presents himself to John the Baptist to be baptized. And the questions the church had from the very beginning is why? Why would Jesus come to be baptized? We believe Jesus is the Son of God, part of the Trinity. God come to earth, God incarnate, God in flesh. And so Jesus is without sin. That is our orthodox belief. And so if He is without sin, clearly John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism of repentance. 
As you see earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, when the Sadducees and the Pharisees come to him, and John the Baptist sees them standing in there, them, sees them standing there and says, You brood of vipers, who warned you about the wrath of God to come? It's quite a way to welcome people, isn't it? Imagine if we said we welcome to church on Morgan, you brood of vipers, who warned you about the wrath of God to come? It's like, John, John, tone it down a little bit. But that's because John was baptizing people who had made a mess of their lives. He was baptizing Gentiles who had never been part of a community of faith. He was baptizing Pharisees and Sadducees who had been part of a community of faith but really had misunderstood God's will and what it meant to follow God. And so from the very beginning, the question about these passages in the Gospels is why? Why would Jesus present himself for baptism? One of the non-canonical Gospels says his family pressured him into it. Well, that's possible, I guess. That is one explanation. I suppose that's possible. We all know, even as adults, we know a little bit about family pressure, don't we? We want to please our parents. We want to please our grandparents, our siblings. And so we know what that's like. It goes something like this. So, family pressure always begins with the word so. So dad says you're not coming for Christmas. Well, Mom, you know, we talked about it. I mean, you're going to his people's house. You mean my husband's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, his brothers are going to be there, and, and they don't get there very often, and so we're, we're going to be with them this Christmas. But we'll see you New Year's. And, well, I guess there's always next Christmas. Yes, ma'am, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how, if we're still here. <laughs> now, Mom... You know your dad has that condition. Mom, dad has a toenail fungus. It is not <laughs> fatal. Well, you never know though, honey. But don't worry about us now. Just be the two of us. And you know your dad loves a full house. Don't you worry. Don't you even give another thought. Huh? You, we, we know what that's like, right? So it's possible. It's possible Jesus came in from a long day in the carpentry shop and said to Mary, Hey, mom, how's it going? And she said, Well, I saw Isaac's mom today. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Isaac got baptized by that John the Baptist fellow. You know, all your friends are being baptized. She said to me, oh, oh, when Jesus is going to be baptized? I said, well, I don't, you know how he is. I don't know. Really, that doesn't really sound like, that sounds like a sitcom, doesn't it? So Jesus finally got fed up and said, all right, Ma, I'll go get baptized. No, no, no. That's, that's like a line from a sitcom, not from one of the Gospels. So, can't really imagine Jesus feeling family pressure because one of the things about Jesus that is evident in the Gospels is he is so centered. Jesus knows who he is and what his calling is and he doesn't allow anybody else to pressure him to be something he's not. It's a good example for us. It's a good reminder of us. Don't let other people tell you who you are. You're a child of God, beloved by God. Don't let anybody else tell you you're anything else. But those voices are there even for Jesus. Those voices are there. And so uh, the, the, crowd, the crowd at one point says to him, we, we should make you king. We need to make you king. Now, that had to sound so, it's sort of an honor. You had, but you, there's no record in the Gospels of Jesus saying, well, you know, that sounds pretty good, king. I mean, no, because he knew who he was. He knew what his calling was. He knew what his reason for being was. He knew what his purpose was. That same crowd in that same week later shouts and screams, crucify him, crucify him. And yet Jesus doesn't allow that to sway him either because Jesus knew who he was. So pressure from family? Oh, 
doesn't sound like Jesus. doesn't sound like that's something Jesus would give in to. So if it's not pressure from family, we're still left with the same question. Why? Why would Jesus submit to a baptism of repentance? Jesus spent his ministry reaching out to and welcoming all of the people his community of faith said he should shun. All of the people of his community of faith said you need to keep at arm's length. Jesus threw the doors open wide and said in my kingdom everybody's welcome. And everybody means everybody. And so lepers and tax collectors and sinners and women and Gentiles, all of the people, Jesus, the community of faith said you should keep at arm's distance. Jesus welcomed and embraced. Although he is not a sinner, he will spend his ministry with sinners. And his ministry, his public ministry begins with this act of baptism. And then he has three years of public ministry. And that ministry will be spent with Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners and Gentiles and women and lepers. So much so that you remember toward the end of his life, toward the end of his ministry, one of the charges leveled at him is, but he eats with tax collectors and sinners. If that's not enough evidence, what evidence do we need? Jesus' response is, I sure do. I'd eat with you too if you'd let me. Jesus, Jesus uh, is, we believe, is God come to earth in the form of a human being. And that's the beauty of the incarnation is just a couple of weeks ago we talked about his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Really, even before Jesus, the Old Testament to the New Testament, over and over again in Scripture, that theme is consistent throughout Scripture. God is with you, God is with you, God is with you, God is with you. No matter what we face, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're going through, no matter where we are in our life's journey or our faith's journey, God is with you. That's the beauty of the incarnation. The doctrine of the incarnation is that God came to earth in flesh in the form of a human being named Jesus Christ. And you say to me, well, it's kind of interesting history, Tim. It's kind of interesting theology. But what does that have to do with me in 2023? I had to remember to say 2023 and not 2022. I'm glad you asked that question. What the incarnation says to you and me is... There is nothing that will ever happen to us. There is no sorrow you will ever know. There is no tear you will ever shed. There is no pain you will ever bear. And there is no death you will ever die that God in Christ Jesus has not already done it. That's the gift. Jesus was baptized because he chose to relate to those people he came to save, the least, the last, the lost, and all of those who have made a mess of their lives. And although he hadn't made a mess of his life, he came to say, I'm with you, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And there is nothing you will ever face in life that I will not be with you. And so that, that made its way into our hymns, didn't it? Into our spirituals. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me home. What a friend we have in Jesus all our griefs and sin to bear. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. And it begins with his baptism. A few years ago, I found myself one night in the basement of a church in New York City. A church member of ours at Wrightsville Beach and 
and a friend of mine and his wife had gone to New York City to Sloan Kettering Hospital. She was dealing with advanced breast cancer. And we'd been with her every step of the way from the diagnosis to all the way through. It had been the battle had been going on for 12 or 14 months at that point. And she was going to get a checkup and a follow-up and see what other treatment she could get. And very unexpectedly and very tragically, she died. None of us expected it while she was there, leaving behind a four-year-old and a two-year-old and her husband. And so when he got me on the phone, when I got him on the phone, I got in touch with him, got him on the phone, and he said, Tim, he said, I, I just have one request. Would you come to New York City and help me bring her back home? It's one of the great, Justin knows, Sam knows, people here on staff know, it's one of the great privileges of being in ministry is that you're invited into people's, not just into people's joy, but you're invited into people's pain in a way that most other people aren't. And so I took it as an honor. And I did, of course. I flew to New York City, got into the airport, got a cab, got to, got to uh, the hotel, and I saw him and gave him a hug, and we prayed together. And then he said to me, the first thing he said to me after we were done praying is, you know, I have to go to a meeting tonight. My friend was a recovering alcoholic, and his way of doing sobriety worked for him. It works for different people. But for him, when he was home in Wilmington, he had to be in a meeting three, four, five, six times a week. Just, he had to do it. And now, now, of course, having lost his wife, very unexpectedly, although she was battling cancer, very unexpectedly, of course, he knew he had to be with people who understood. He said, I need to be in a meeting tonight. Would you come with me? It's the only time in my life. It's the first and only time I've ever been in, a, in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. So we made our way to that church, walked down the stairs into that dark basement, standing there in the room, coffee pot, people coming in. And I stood there in the corner and just kind of watched this marvelous collection of humanity come through that door. It was fascinating to watch. People of all ages, people from all nations, people who spoke... English as their first language, people who spoke English as their second or third language, people who spoke with an accent, young, old, people who looked like they'd walked off of Wall Street, and people who looked like they were unhoused. People with tattoos and spiky hair and, and, and gauges and all kinds of piercings, and then somebody who looked like they came in in a, in a suit, in a, in a three-piece suit and a tie. And I stood there and thought to myself, this is what the church of Jesus Christ should look like. It doesn't, and that's a sermon for another day, but that's what I thought that night. person leading the group said, uh, let's go over to the chairs, and there was a circle of chairs, and we sat down, and she said, now we're going to introduce ourselves. Now, for an introvert like me, a circle of chairs and an icebreaker is about my worst nightmare. <laughs> I might have a couple more. Spiders would be one, but it's close. It's near the top. And what people don't, who aren't introverts, what they don't understand is that for people like me, when you're in that icebreaker thing, and, and it's usually, it's a very peppy person. Okay, peppy people get on my nerves anyway. So it's a very peppy person. We're so glad you're here tonight. Isn't it? It's a lovely night, isn't it? And now we're going to start by saying our name. And if we were a tree, what kind of tree we'd like to be? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And if you're like me, you see, it defeats the whole purpose because 
I, I, don't, I don't hear anybody's name because all I'm thinking is, what kind of tree? Well, I can't even think of a tree. An elm is an elm? I, but why would you want to be an elm? I don't even know what an elm tree looks like. A maple, they have pretty leaves. I mean, I, I love tulips. I'm pretty sure they're a flower, right? What's a curmudgeonly tree? That's what I'm going to choose. What's a grumpy tree? That's what you're right. And so, and so I never hear anybody's name. Well, now, on this particular night, it wasn't an iceberg. It was just say your name, where you're from, and then the statement, I am an alcoholic. And so they went around the room. But I'm having these same feelings because you see, it's that last statement I'm not an alcoholic. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I didn't know how to say that. Like they're just going, their name, where are you from? I am an alcoholic. There really was no room to say, I'm not really one of you. I'm just here with him. I'm here with my friend. I'm just trying to, right? You know, his, and tell a tragedy story. His wife, I'm just, I'm up here. I'm, I'm a pastor, actually. I'm a... Now, you know, before I even tell you, you know, part of what, even a little tiny bit, you know what part of what's going through my head? I don't have the same problem you have. So it goes around the room and gets closer and closer, two people away. Uh, somebody stands and says, my name is Susan. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm an alcoholic. That person next to me. And then all of a sudden, it's my turn. It's my turn. It was my, everybody, every eye was on me. And I stood up and said, my name is Tim. I'm from Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. And I am an alcoholic. And then in one of the sweetest moments in my entire life, every person in that room said, welcome, Tim. I've never felt so welcome in my life. We don't have a lot of details about the baptism of Jesus. We have some. We know it was in the River Jordan. We know it was John the Baptist doing the baptizing. We, we have the, the, the voice that comes from heaven, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We have that. But, you know, for instance, we don't know the mode. Our Baptist brothers and sisters think they know the mode, but we don't know the mode. It doesn't say that he was immersed. We assume that because it was in the River Jordan. He could have, they could have been kneeling in the shallows and had water poured over them. Could have had water sprinkled as we often do as, as United Methodists and Episcopalians and we just don't know the mode. And so some of the questions we have, we don't really get answers for. Did, did Jesus stand in line with just, was he just, sta- just with, like, with everybody else? Jesus? With all of the sinners and the tax collectors and all of the people waiting who'd made a mess of their lives? And he's just standing in line with his hands in his mouth. So how's it going? Oh, good, good. Well, I'm, I'm excited about a new star. Well, good for you. Bless you. We don't know that. And so I like to imagine that scene. And I imagine Jesus standing in line with everybody else, with the tax collectors and the sinners and all of that diverse crowd. And finally, at last, it's his turn. And he steps up and says to John the Baptist, my name is Jesus of Nazareth, and I present myself for baptism. And then every person there Every sinner, every tax collector, every leper said, Welcome, Jesus. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining today. If this episode has been meaningful to you, would you take a moment to share it with a friend? 
To support this ministry or learn more about our community, visit us at churchonmorgan.org.